You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Verse 7. And let it be when these signs, when they come upon you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You know, there is a response to the occasion. When God visits us, there is an appropriate response that we should have. When we get saved, there's an appropriate response. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Because you've been saved by God, by his grace, and he's done such a fabulous, wonderful work in your life. You're not going to hell. You get to go to heaven. What what response does that occasion demand? Obedience? Absolutely. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of service. Another translation, worship. Worship. God, I worship you not just in song, but with my whole life. All of it, it belongs to you. Where you say go, I go. When, that's when. Where, it's up to you, God. What do you say? Because I owe you everything, everything. Do what the occasion demands. Hallelujah. Now, this is God's work. But we can be resistant to God's work. And we're going to see this in the life of Saul tragically. At first, he really responds. And man, the Holy Spirit does some mighty things through this man. But then his flesh gets the best of him. And he resists this wonderful anointing from the Lord. And so let's not be like that. More on that as we go through. Verse 8, you shall go down before me to Gilgal. And surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Samuel is still very much in the driver's seat here, isn't he? (laughs) Under the authority of God Almighty. But he's speaking to a king, to a head of state or to a very soon-to-be king. But even when, when Saul becomes king, there is this separation of church and state. And in the Bible, the priests are given very specific duties that they are to do, including the sacrifices for sins. All those different sacrifices. That was the priestly duty. It was not for the king, the head of state, to come in and to do that. There's a separation of those responsibilities and duties. And so Samuel is saying, hey, you need to wait for me, and then I'm going to come, and we're going to meet up, and I'm going to do the sacrifices, and I'm going to be the priestly atoner, right, and the mediator between God and man. And of course, this is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ's ultimate ministry. He is the mediator between God and man, and there's only one. All right, verse 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel (laughs) that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. 
all of those little details, the people with the bread and the wine and, and you know, the goat and all of that, it all came to be just as Samuel said it would, and this would serve as a confirmation to Saul that this was God's work. And the beauty of this is because it serves to put Saul in check when he is feeling condemned and unworthy and things like that. No, this was God's doing. This was God's work. But also when he would get puffed up in pride and think himself to be better because of what he did, this was to serve as a reminder. No, this is God's work. And that's how we're to receive it. Ultimately, as we've mentioned, Saul does not receive it this way. But we are to receive it in that way when God does these confirmations in our lives, whether it be for our calling or for family or whatever it be, our job, as God would give a miraculous, you know, open door and confirmation, then we can go, you know what, when when we're feeling condemned by the enemy, we can look back to those confirmations and go, no, God did this. This was God's calling. And even though this person, that person, or the other, seems like they could just do a much better job and why am I here and why am I doing this? It's because God said, that's why. So just keep going, keep doing what you're doing until God calls you, redirects you. But also if we were to become puffed up in pride and begin to take credit for God's work, remember the miracles that that brought you to where you are. Give God glory, friends. Give him praise and honor. He deserves it. Listen, look at 2 Corinthians 1.21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Isn't that beautiful? As a guarantee. Man, the Holy Spirit, when you invite Jesus Christ in and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, well, actually just when you invite him in, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. It is a guarantee of God's establishment and his anointing. It's a seal upon your life. Praise the Lord. Verse 10 now, back in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Verse 10, when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him. This is what the Holy Spirit did in Old Testament times. Certain individuals we read about. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and empowers them to do a special work. And today the Holy Spirit comes upon anyone who is a Christian, a believer, and asks and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And there'll be moments where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you to do something, to say something. Something that you're just like, that was the Holy Spirit flooding upon me. The Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. <laughs> he begins to sing with them and prophesy with these prophets that are on their instruments. As the Holy Spirit gifts him with the gift of prophecy and uses him in this way. Verse 11, and it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? 
his change was very evident to all those around him. It wasn't just this secret hidden change in his heart. But it was, it was a change in his heart that bubbled up and over and splashed everyone around him as they saw the change in him and they glorified God for that change and said, wow, this is incredible. What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? His life is so transformed that people say what has come upon him. And let that be true of us too that God would transform our lives so drastically that it would become evident to all those who know us. And may that never end, you know? May we be going through life and then suddenly there's some new and powerful anointing and you just go, wow, that was God. Boy, I've seen this again and again in, in my wife Christy's life, you know? As she's just going on and, and suddenly, you know, I'm thinking of playing the cajon and, you know, I never even, she enjoyed music. She liked listening to all kinds of music and stuff. And then, and then we have our children and my son has an obvious aptitude and she, she goes, boy, that looks great. I think I'll just, you know, start, I'm really, I really want to start doing this. And then we had friends that started encouraging her in that gifting and she got a cajon and they got together and play and she just starts playing cajon. And I'm like, what in the world? And then there was a special anointing upon her for this. And even when we moved to Colorado and, and she began playing as we moved around these different churches and she began playing, I'm telling you, there's something like, something was special about that day. It's not just because I'm her husband, friends. <laughs> you know, although that, that's true, I, I am biased for sure. But, but there was just something where, where, you know, Christy joining the band, she had this special anointing to do her part there and you could tell the difference. And she became bold in, in her gifting with this. We went to a church. This was a church that there's like 5,000 people go to this church. And she had started getting involved with the worship there. I don't want to brag on her too much. This is God's work, but she, it's amazing, guys. So we're, we're there on a Saturday night, and the worship leader gets up, and he's just, he's just on his guitar, just him and his guitar. And she says, you know, I feel led to do cajon with him tomorrow morning. And I'm like, Okay. So she just marches on up there and says, hey, can I join you with, and do a cajon with you tomorrow morning for worship? And he's like, yeah, sure. Boom, next morning I'm like, there she is in front of this huge congregation playing away on the cajon. And I'm just like, wow, you know, wow. And so I say this, I've seen this in my life. I've seen it in her life with many things. And God wants to do it in your life. He's done it in your life. If you just look back and go, man, that was God who brought this. And if not, then ask him. Say, God, you know, I've always had this interest in this or that, you know. And God, just do something. Fill me with your spirit. Anoint me fresh and new. And then people will see and go, that is God. You used to hate kids. And now you're back there ministering to them. What in the world happened? Just God, you know. You've had a terrible voice your whole life, and now you're singing like an angel. What happened? God, God. All right, enough on that. So this is what's happening to Saul, friends. He's, this anointing is working itself out in his life in a very miraculous way. Verse 12, then a man from there answered and said, 
but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? So he said, to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me please what Samuel said to you. Boy, the uncle knows who Samuel is. Saul didn't, but the uncle does and goes, the man of God, what did he have to say? In verse 16, so Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Why? Perhaps he was scared. It was too much to share. Or perhaps he was just being wise. You don't go around sharing this with a lot of people. Well, I'm going to be the king. You know, what if they don't want you to be the king? What if they move against you or who knows what? So at any rate, whatever the reason is, he doesn't tell his uncle. He keeps it quiet, probably just waiting on the Lord. Let God take care of it and do what he's going to do. Now, verse 17, then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Um, If you look at the original Hebrew there, the fool says in his heart, no God. Or no God, no Lord. That's a contradiction. He's either your Lord and therefore you say yes, or he's not your Lord and you say no, right? And they have said no to the Lord. Now they're looking here, we've mentioned this, they want a worldly king. They want a worldly king. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful because the Bible says in the last days, he says this in Matthew 24, 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. That word Christ means Messiah or Savior. So they're not necessarily saying, hey, I'm Jesus. But what they are saying is, I have the answers for society. I am a a savior for the, the world. And, you know, every time there's an election, we have politicians who get up and say, I have all the answers, right? And we know they really don't. But they know that they have to say these things to get elected. And so people, though, you know, we have to be careful not to look to man and to government for all the answers. In fact, our government was established with the understanding that human beings are faulty and fallible, that absolute power corrupts absolutely 
And so we put in our system checks and balances because we don't trust man. We, we trust God. And so we put it on our money. In God we trust. And now as a society, it's more nominal. It's always been nominal for many people in our society. But more and more now, in name only, we say in God we trust because we're really beginning more, and not beginning, we've been looking more and more and more to government and to man rather than to God. Let's be careful, friends. Let's not fall into that trap. We can get into this big thing, you know, Republicans versus Democrats, and we begin to put all of our eggs in the basket of politics. And God's going, what about me? (laughs) I'm the answer. And until we start looking to God, to God, to God, government is not our solution. Government's important. The checks and balances are important. But blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Verse 20, and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Verse 22, therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. Oh man, my mind always goes back to the children's book when I was little. (laughs) There's Saul hiding in the luggage, you know. (laughs) Uh, Hiding from from his call. I don't, honestly, I, I can relate to this, you know. Can you imagine just being a regular dude and then suddenly the crowd's gathered and you're the guy, you're going to be the king, and you, you feel completely inadequate and unprepared. I don't know. I'd be tempted to hide in the luggage too, friends. But remember that this is the calling of God, and God's going to take this man that's hiding in the luggage, and he's going to do some great things with him, especially at the beginning here. And we talked last week about humility versus insecurity and this is another sign of his insecurity that he's not putting his trust in the Lord to equip him and to be with him through this. Verse 23, so they ran and brought him from there and when he stood among the people he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward and Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king, long live the king. And you know, we think back to these movies with with the, you know, they, they say it to this day, right? Verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man, to his house. So we don't have this uh, behavior of royalty book with us anymore, but you can look this up later on your own. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14 Uh, through 20 
God gives a, a description of the general behavior of royalty that he expects when kings come to rule in Israel. And it's a really neat study. Verse 26, And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Man, that was really wise. You can end up with a civil war before you even become king, you know. But he just laid back and said, I'm going to let God take care of this. He held his peace. You know, these rebels, man will always disappoint. If, if you're looking for a savior in a human being, you're going to be disappointed. All of us have enough bad in us that if you're looking for it, you'll find it. You'll find it. If you wanted to remove me from this ministry and off the pulpit, you'll, you'll find reasons to do it. You'll, look, you'll find my, my faults. I'm, I'm not saying that, guys, I haven't done anything terrible, okay? <laughs> please don't think that. Like, you know, I've been faithful to my wife, please. <laughs> don't start the rumors. But what I'm saying is if you want to find fault with someone, you can find fault but when God raises someone up, then we humble ourselves and, so, and say, despite their faults, despite their shortcomings, God has anointed them for this role, you see? And so there were some men where God touched their hearts to look past the man and his faults. That dude was hiding in the luggage. Is he really going to be our king? Come on! But some people said, yeah, I get it. But God's touched my heart to look past that man and his faults to him. I trust him. And so I'm going to be loyal to God by being loyal to this man whom God has anointed to be our king. And they go with him. But then there's others who just see the faults. This man can't be our savior. They're right. That man can't be. But God can and God can use him. You see, so really it says they were rebels they were rejecting God, and they were rejecting the anointed of God. We're going to see in David a heart that is not a rebel, that despite Saul even trying to kill him repeatedly, David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He remains loyal to Saul even to the very end of Saul's life because he recognized this is God working in this man. And until God pulls the plug on him, I'm loyal to God's anointed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that despite our shortcomings, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. Lord, sometimes we can relate to the people who lack faith in the Bible more than those who have it like Saul hiding in the stuff. If any one of us were called today be, to be the president of the United States in a week, I think we would probably be hiding in the stuff. But Lord, you died for our insecurities. You died for our lack of faith. You died for our rebellion against you. You died. And so we thank you and give you thanks and praise. We pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone here today 
who's not received you as Savior or who has walked away from you, Lord, touch their hearts, touch their lives. Draw them into repentance. The Lord loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. He's not willing that any should walk in doubt and in fear, but that all should come into faith and let it be a display to all those around them. And so, God, we humbly come before you today and we say, please forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings, our failings and our rebellions. God, forgive us. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for spilling your blood so that mine doesn't have to be spiritually. Thank you that you took the punishment I deserve upon yourself. You rose again from the dead, and I want to rise with you, Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me. I repent. I give myself to you tonight, right now. I give myself to you. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.